We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm a little crazy there. Like my head hurts a little bit, you know? Headbanging a little bit. Music? Yeah, it's just, just, just my, my Lloyd impression. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. from the headbanging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nice. if anyone doesn't know what we're referencing, Lloyd from Scrubs is the uh, UPS driver, right? Uh, delivery, delivery yeah. driver. Delivery, yeah. Yeah, and always listens to somewhat heavy metal music or something yeah. like that. I think we'd say it's heavy. Jeremy might not, but we we the rest of us would say it's heavy. (laughs) He's also the drummer in the air band. He does a very good. uh, That's right. Zib Hashishan, I think that's how you say his name. Hashian Hashishan impression as they play Boston for the air band episode. Um, That's right. That's a more than a feeling, right? Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. That's like a whole thing. Yeah. Because uh, Christopher Lloyd's what what was his actual first name? Did we decide that who passed away? Ted. Yeah, no, no. What, what's his real Sam, name? Samuel. Sa- Sam it? Lloyd. His, the lawyer's Sam name is Lloyd. Ted. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, Christopher and, and Lloyd's his was, dad. It's Doc. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in an op- acapella group, right? Like in, yeah. in real life. Yeah, like the worthless peons, I think, yeah. is what they're called. From Syracuse University. <laughs> That's right. SU. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, yeah. and after Scrubs, they toured quite a bit. Um, they had quite a bit of success. Yeah, I knew, I knew they had toured because when he passed away, I haven't listened to that Scrubs rewatch in, in a little while, but I was listening to it pretty regularly in the in the heat of COVID, and um and that's when he passed away. And they were telling that story about them touring like post Scrubs and everything. And I mean, they they sound amazing, like yeah. on on the show, like they're they're really good. I would I would oh, yeah. I would have gone to see them. Well, I like that that was his actual band, you know? Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really cool. I love that stuff about TV shows in general, yeah. like whether it's a, a family member that gets to have like a fun part or you get like a band involved like that or whatever, just like the, the small little things you can do to you know, give, give people a, a platform that they otherwise wouldn't have. Like, I think that's a really cool part of TV. Or when it's not a platform thing, but you find out that Jordan is Bill Lawrence's wife. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Or like in parks and rec, uh, um, Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally, like <laughs> yeah. the, the exes who like despise each other and are insane. What's, it, what's her name? Crazy. Uh, uh, Tammy. She's Tammy, Tammy too. Tammy. Yeah. Tammy too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But in real life, they're like incredibly loving and they have this great marriage and they like tour together and do like stand up shows and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. Yep. Good stuff. What are you guys drinking? Matthew. I, I switched it up tonight. So uh, I got, 
the uh, Hellas Lager from Goldfinger Brewing Company Ooh. in um, in uh, Downers Grove, Illinois. So it it popped up on a list. I was just you know browsing, perusing lists online a couple weeks ago of you know like top ten lagers in the country. So I decided to give it a shot. It's very good. Uh, I'm also very appreciative that my local beer store had it because it's not one that's easy to find. Um, no. But it's also not one that's flying off the shelf because people don't know what it is. So I picked it up and am loving it. So when somebody like you goes to look for the top 10 lagers in the country, where are you looking? Are you looking at untapped like rankings? Or is no, like this a... was just, uh, I mean, there's, um, there's a handful of online clickbait sites that do it. You know, Paste is one. Oh, like that, that kind actually, of thing. Paste actually has a fairly good uh, booze writer. I don't know their name, but they do a lot of stuff. Um, okay. They'll also do... Again, I'm, I'm trying to Brewbound is another one uh, that, that's more of like kind of like a, a blog for beer people. Um, and they'll they'll do um, articles where they'll, they'll interview brewers and say, hey, what's your favorite? What's your favorite beer that like doesn't get appreciated or what's, you know, and so like, oh, so and so brewer cool. from this brewery I like really likes um, the an obscure German Pilsner that's available in Kentucky. Cool. I want to go get it. Cause that was, you know, stuff like that where it's, um, you know, nice to break up the hops every week. I'm not doing a good job um, describing this, but yeah, basically, um, you know, sometimes it's good to break, yeah. you know, break up, break up things. And so for backup, I do have uh, one of human robots first uh, bottled offerings. Wow. Um, so it's a it's a Keller beer called Dinkelho. So we'll uh, good name. I think that's how you pronounce it. H e u Dinkelho. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna call it that just because it you, sounds you, funny. You, you? you? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? You got, you got a, any of our other half green city beers? Yeah. So um, Matt and I are currently on another half green city pack, the baseball themed one. Um, I've had like three so far. They've all been excellent. And, um, tonight is number four. Haven't had a sip yet. Um, but it's called juiced and the, uh, the cover is a giant. Yeah. Basically Jose Canseco. If he was a piece of broccoli. (laughs) Now, Um, now in the bottom corner of the label, you see what else is about that. Phantasm. So so we, have we talked about phantasm? Yeah, but refresh me. I can't remember. So it's an extract from spent, uh, grape skins. That enhances, I think, the theols is what they said, or the the juicy components of hops. Ooh, well, it's um, fucking delicious. So it's it's kind of the next level of fruity, juicy beers, and it's from a grape waste. I think it's a company out in Australia actually figured it out, um, and that's like kind of the pushing pushing the boundaries of what's next in, in beer. So you see, you know, cryo hops, you see phantasm powder, you see. Um, you know, all, all these new strains of crossbred hops. Uh, everyone's trying to get to that new next crazy uh, aromatic fruity flavor that you can get out of just a, a hop flower, which is pretty cool. So yeah, uh, you, you, you rewind 20 years ago to when it's just like regular IPAs. Not that I was drinking IPAs 20 years ago, but I mean, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's kind of amazing to see what's happening in, the, uh, in that space in the last two decades. Yeah, but yeah, you know, 20, 2002 guys. When when we you know before we even met, I was I was throwing back IPAs all the time. I <laughs> I had a beard when I was seventh in seventh grade and could tell you all the. I'm just kidding. 
Middle Matt ages, ready. Uh, Syracuse Paleo. Yeah. yeah, Matt was getting ready to out drink us, even though he could already out drink us. He didn't need to prepare. It would it would just happen. Yeah, I right. mean, I don't know what it is about you guys, right? I don't. I think it was <laughs> Ethan when I first started sitting with him. I don't know if you were with him or not, but like, I remember in ninth grade getting last by shoving entire cupcakes in my mouth. So, you know, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> you guys bring out the excess consumption side of me. I don't know. Which, again, none of you guys asked me to do it. I just did it one day and la- you guys laughed. So, um, Oh, man. Love it. Love anyway. It. Yeah. Anyway. Good good old days. Good mm-hmm. old days. Colin, Colin already showed me what he's got, but you, you give it the rundown. Yep. Within, within the uh, timetable that I'm supposed to drink this, I've got Tired Hands Passion Fruit Milkshake IPA. I did look, Matt. I did rate it on uh, Memorial Day when when we were here. Four four two five. All right, all right. I think it's a four two eight overall. So that was uh, that's that was really right good in there. Yeah, sure. yeah. It it is very tasty. So I think you're I have like two, it within two the proper left. window. Yeah, and I have two left, so I'm going to take them. We're going on vacation next week. I'm I'm taking them with me. Take them onto the beach. It's gonna be great. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. That's a good one. You get a little bit of tartness from the passion yeah. fruit, but um, yeah. it's not as it's not as sweet as a lot of the other milkshake stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, it was a good one. Um, I don't know though. I don't I'm not to not to be. I may not be buying any more uh, tired hand stuff. I'm. Uh, oh, what so happened? We, Did we, you tell well, us we, about this? We talked about the Me Too movement, right? You know that that <clears throat> the segment of it that happened in the in the beer industry. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, shout out to Sacred Profane Brewing up in Maine. Um, and I, you know, the the Rat Magnet has, uh, bleh, not hashtag. Anyway, the the new brewery opening by the person who started this all up in Maine. But um, so one Tired Hands is one of the breweries that was breweries that was implicated in this and, and kind of the abusive um, practices and uh, relationships that that their owner had. And so at, when this all started, the owner stepped away from everyday operations. Um, well, he's back now. Um, so he never actually divested from he's the company. He's what now? He's back. The owner's back. back. Gene, I think his name is. Um, so he never actually, you know, he never actually divested. He's back. He's representing the So he's like Alex brewery. Cora? Yeah, yeah. He's representing <laughs> the brewery at different festivals now, and I think he's back involved in operations. And uh, a little disappointing. Um, that is you know, disappointing hope the staff there you know continues to kind of hold them in check but ultimately uh, i don't know if they'll be getting any more of my money which is a shame because they, they were a kind of a pioneer for a lot of stuff yeah what's that one they do that i've had that's really good the alien one. Oh, uh, alien church alien church mm-hmm. alien yeah. church is good um they have a d2h3 double dry hopped hop hands um but hop hands was kind of their series um that was really good and they do a lot of kind of weird uh weird beers as well they, they do a stout series called only void that was pretty tasty that they'll do variations on although they one year they made one that was lavender and i still i still give my brother a hard time for bringing home that lavender stout because i think my dad my brother and i all tasted it and then i immediately went and dumped it out like nope uh, <laughs> not everyone's gonna be a winner yeah <laughs> so anyway i'm looking so, forward i'm gonna be back in new york this weekend for the fourth Wow! I swing by one of the big breweries I want to see when I'm on my travels up home. We'll either be going to hot new up and coming brewery Fidens in the Colony area, or if we want to move, if we want, you know, don't want to go to the IPA route, I may go to uh, 
Suarez and get some some oh. nice lagers and and pilsners. Those are fucking from, good. Yeah, yeah. Suarez. I got Ethan. Ethan had them. It's yeah. uh, nothing special, but really good. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Where are they out again? Where are they at? Um, they're uh, maybe forty five minutes south of Albany. Oh, isn't, Fide, isn't Fiden's near Albany too? Oh uh, yeah, uh, Fiden's is um, in Colony, right. just outside Albany. So yeah, wow. I'll be hitting one of the two in my travels. This okay, weekend, so. who knew Albany had uh, Albany area had two uh, two hot uh, hot new newish brews? kind of that kind of that Hudson River Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a lot of really really good players there. You got yeah. Equilibrium, you got Sloop, you got oh. Industrial Arts. Okay. Uh, okay. You've got, I knew about Equilibrium. I didn't realize those other ones were in that area. Yep. Yep. Suarez and Fidens. You've got uh, not not too far away. You've got all the treehouse nonsense going on in Massachusetts. So right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty and good. There's others I missed out yeah. that are that are in that area as well that I've that I've neglected to say that are also very good as well. H- Hudson Valley. Um, if you want if you want sour IPAs, they were kind of the bellwether for a long time um of like sour tart ipas so it's kind of an, an interesting area okay <clears throat> nice nice but i can't make my whole trip about breweries so we'll uh <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah tell the rents we say hello of course of course and you guys know you're always welcome up there if you ever uh, get that get up that way but you guys have any plans you said you're going to the beach ethan what about you uh going home and seeing my parents uh, okay, good. for the first time since uh like christmas so nice awesome uh, that'll be really nice yep yep well jim's gonna be listening to this well actually i think we we have we have one parent from each each of us that listens to the podcast wait one of your parents listens kyle my dad does oh does he oh yeah. okay yeah that's right i think you told us that my dad does sometimes jeremy listens like to every episode um, I think my dad is only a, an occasional listener, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jeremy knows what's good. Yeah, that's right. Well, this, this, uh, this show slaps, as he would say. Hey, speaking <laughs> of Jeremy, didn't he sit in with another uh, another band on Friday? Yeah, he did. He, How'd that go? He, um, I don't know yet. I haven't Jeremy, we'll have to bring you back on. I'm curious. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I want to know, number uh, one, set it up. how did it sure. go? And number two, I want to know how you prepare for that. Like, like if Ethan's going to sit in with someone, you just like send him some sheet music and be like, you know, toodle around. <laughs> but like, is it the same process for you, Jeremy? I actually wondered the same thing, Matt. To like, be, yeah. Cause yeah. you're, you're learning other lyrics. So not only you're learning words and music. And then um, I think what there's, there's gotta be a lot of, there's a lot of nonverbal communication that happens between a band while they're performing on stage. So jumping right into that kind of, kind of, I mean, I know there's probably, you know, <clears throat> when a band ends a song or something, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of but, uh, cues that are kind well, of universal, but still, how, do, was how it? is it jumping in with another band? I'm, just I'm vocals. Curious. Yeah. Just well, vocals. vocals. That's what he yeah. Now, what I'm curious about, the reason I'm wondering, and I want to ask him about this, right, is because subbing on vocals for like a more typical genre I think would be pretty easy apart from memorizing the words because most popular sort of, you know, quote unquote vernacular music, right? Non-classical, non-jazz. That's what I mean, right? When I say vernacular, most of that kind of music, the forms are very predictable, right? Verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, right? And so you just need to learn the words for each section. And then you just, it's very easy to kind of feel, right? The music is very, 
um, is very, it's structured in a, in a very uh, um, intuitive way, right? That's, that's why this is the music that's really popular for the masses, right? It's structured in a really easily digestible way. And so it'd be a lot easier to sub for that. However, heavy music, metal music, shit that gets a little bit more complicated in terms of its structure is not necessarily laid out like that. I mean, some, some music you will get that, but a lot of times you won't, right? Like you'll have some sort of long instrumental intro, right? And then you'll have like, trying to think of the terms that Jeremy uses, you'll have like breakdowns and shit like this, right? And then there might be a section where it's like, okay, now you scream this verse for a while. Then there's like a new instrumental section. Then you scream the next verse. Then there's a different, you know what I mean? So like in metal music, um, it can be a lot different than just like really easy verse chorus stuff, um, which is what 99% of, of, you know, popular quote unquote, you know, uh, music is. So that's what I'm really interested in. And it, it actually would be kind of cool to have him um, come back on and, and talk about that a bit. Yeah. One, uh, one uh, 2009, I saw Springsteen in Albany. And um, Conan had just, that was when Conan had just started the, um, uh, yeah, late night, right? But is that, is that the one he took over? Whatever one he took yeah. over for Jay Leno. And so Max, his drummer, Max Weinberg, it, it was Conan's drummer for a bunch of years and was with Conan for, you know, the, the unveiling of this new uh, format with, with Conan. And uh, anyway, uh, his son is a drummer, um, like I think for a punk rock band or something like that. And I mean, you guys know, I've talked about it before, like the lore of a Springsteen live show. And one of the big things is Max. You've talked about it before. I, I can't recall. <laughs> what one of the big things is Mighty Max, like being able to just read when Bruce wants to do something, when he wants to stop, when he wants to move on. Yeah, like it's they they don't play the studio. It's not like the Eagles where they're just playing like the studio version of their song. Like Bruce mixes things up or whatever. But I remember like Bruce gave him so many moments of like solos and you know things like that and i just he he had to be like 22 23 24 at, at the time or whatever i'm just like can you imagine playing you know for your dad for bruce and being that good like being that trusted i don't know that he played a bunch of shows on that tour but i just happened to see you know one of them and i'm it was the same thing though i was like how do you just come in and like do that when it's so vitally important like that's what music is always so fascinating to me because it just seems like they're they they they're like the robbie canoes of the world right like they they just make it look so easy and like we just know it's not obviously but the, um, the pre-2022 robbie canoes of the world yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know pre, if, if the analogy was now like the, <laughs> the drum stick speed would he be slowed down and he'd be off the beat and just striking out all the time right yes thank you bad. for the clarification yeah <laughs> <clears throat> so speaking of bruce just one one little like you guys if you haven't go on youtube and watch like the uh, john stewart kennedy center mark twain prize uh presentations uh because well john stewart is a huge fan of bruce um mm -hmm. so he does uh they play come together uh bruce and gary clark jr and his band to, to open the show that was oh, pretty nice. impressive uh and then, and just just in general, all the comedians who speak on behalf of John Stewart. Now, this happened a couple months ago, but it's finally all on YouTube now. Uh, pretty pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. I, I got on a tear the other night and watched them all. But nice. Mm, nice. I love then, John Stewart too. So 
Yeah. The other thing um, I have to ask, and we'll do th- we'll do this on air, Ethan. Um, you you go you going to Treehouse? Oh, um, you getting you getting some of those cans? I didn't even think about it, but I should <laughs> go. Kidding. I should don't, go, shouldn't eh, I? Yeah. Don't don't go out of your way. Oh, but, but I mean, it's like a forty-five minute drive. Why would I not do it? Like that, that's but that's that's round trip. That's an hour and a half. That's long. Yeah, time. but it's a beautiful part of the country, and actually, I bet nice. you, uh, uh, you know, my my partner will be going with me. Uh, and, I didn't want to ask her. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She will be going with me. And I bet you she would be in like spending Saturday afternoon, like going and hanging out there and having a beer. Oh, yeah. It's as long as the weather's good. I mean, they're it's fucking an amazing compounded. place. Just, yeah. And oh. I've never sat there. I told you I've, I've only gone and picked up before. I've never actually yeah. hung out. I mean, I've walked around to like pick my shit up. But but I mean, it's incredible that this is the the Charlton location. But um, yeah, it's fucking beautiful. So it would be a great place to hang for a bit. For those who don't know what the hell we're talking about, it's basically Willy Wonka's factory for beer nerds. Um, yeah, like and and they've got like multiple locations now, and they're all Willy Wonka factories. Yeah, like their Deerfield location has a a concert venue now, like a performance venue. Holy shit! Like fuck, like um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. Like, yeah, and I, amazing. I can't, I can't speak to the other locations. I haven't been to them yet, but this one specific one, this this Charlton one, uh, Charlton, Massachusetts. When you, it's like this massive like campus, like that's the word I would say. It's like a campus, and what's crazy is like you drive in. It's this kind of like windy driveway, right? And you come in off of the main road, and like it's not immediate. It's like a little bit into the driveway. There's like a big overhang <laughs> that says like Treehouse Brewing. It's like this. I think it's is it wood, Matt? It's like this beautiful wood thing. With, wood with wood with LED lights. Yeah, and you like drive underneath this thing. Like welcome to the Treehouse fucking compound. Like underneath <laughs> it, you know. Just like up going up this drive, like it's crazy. Like come it, yeah. with me, and <laughs> <Exactly>. you'll see <laughs> a land of pure inebriation. Oh, that's perfect. Good job. <laughs> uh, it is. It is. Yeah. Magnificent. Yeah. It's and fantastic. they just they just because they haven't made cool enough shit everywhere in the state of Massachusetts, they just bought a country club. Yeah. Like, They've got a beach location in Sandwich. They've got Deerfield with pizza and a performance venue. They've got the mothership in Charlton. And they I think they own a farm somewhere too, probably. And they just bought a freaking country club, which is going to be amazing yeah. too. They're probably going to like reinvent golf and it's going to be cool. And I, I don't know. I feel like yeah. I should go take this hat off, put my treehouse hat on. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing too about this that I'll say, right, is like, Normally, when this kind of thing happens, right, when you get like one sort of company or organization, right, that's really blowing up and they expand like this and they do all these like big fancy things or whatever, like I usually get skeptical. I'm like, man, they're 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 becoming like a big old chain, like they're going to become mediocre, blah, 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 blah. They're going to overcharge for like shittier products. But like Treehouse's prices, at least since I've been buying in the last couple of years, are standard with like all first rate beer, right? Like for the top notch shit, you're looking at what five, six bucks a can. If for uh, the really, know. really high stuff, which you gotta yeah. you gotta think they're they're putting yeah, yes, it's pricey, but yes, it's it's the best. It's the best. And, and that's it's also the, the yeah. quality is still there. The quality is still there, right. So like I don't I I'm not skeptical at all. I don't begrudge it. Like like they haven't raised their prices way beyond any of the other top notch breweries, like you know um and and it's fucking delicious sell the stores they only they only self-sell yeah they treat their employees right they've got very very good benefits for their employees um and they are committed to being a responsible community partner and a responsible ecological partner too 
And so. believe it or not, they are not sponsors of the podcast. Matt and I are not getting paid <laughs> to say any of this, which is bullshit. Yeah, that I think about it. yeah, let's we need to get Treehouse as our fucking sponsor. My God. Well, when you're there. Yeah, I'll, I'll be like, hey, who, who's in charge around here? <laughs> who owns Treehouse? I need to talk to them. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, the, don't don't go just because I asked. But if you happen to go. Yeah, no, it's it's a great idea. I'm going to try to make it. We'll see what happens. Anyway. Yep. Cool. What else is on the docket? <clears throat> so I've got a question. Boss? Both of you, tell me what your opinion is on this. Here's the scenario. It's a baseball game. Bottom of the sixth inning. The team that is at bat is down two runs. They have two on and one out. First and second. First and second, yep. The pitcher on the mound has just walked the previous batter on four pitches and has thrown two more balls. The catcher had just come out to have a talk with the pitcher. The Tony LaRusso question. As a hitter, as a hitter, what would you do in this situation? The next pitch. On two and zero, oh. two and zero, oh, six straight yeah. balls, not six even straight close. balls, not even close. Down um, two runs, two on, one out. I probably, I probably take until he throws a strike. Um, I, I think <sighs> because, like, on the one hand, I want to. On the one hand, I like the idea of being like, okay, it's two and zero. Oh, he's thrown six straight balls. If he's desperate and he throws a meatball, I can crush it, right? But I feel like there's a danger in that of like getting too excited and being like, oh man, here comes that meatball. And then you don't actually like it. Maybe it looks good for like a split second, but then it's not. And you swing and you miss and you look like a doofus or it's not that good of a pitch and you ground into a double player. Or did we say two outs? You ground out. One out. One out. You ground into a double play. Right. So part of me is more like, you know what? Don't let yourself get too excited and blow it. Make him throw a strike. think, Think about the context of where we are in the game too. It's the sixth inning. Yeah, sixth inning, I think, down by two runs. Yeah, I think I hunt for the perfect pitch. If it's not exactly where I want it and exactly the pitch I want, I don't swing. Are you that confident that you can lay off? Well, d- depends. Am I Aaron Judge or am I, you know, Joey Gallo? Well, mm-hmm. I'll tell you who the player was if if you really want to know. Oh, is this? It's, so it is based on a real scenario. Just happened yeah. last night. It just happened last night. I do want to know. Um, but what's uh? Was it Giancarlo last night who did it, or was it Aaron? What is your opinion on this, Kyle, before you tell us? Uh, catcher's interference? (laughs) No, it was not one of those. Okay. (laughs) That happened in the next inning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Immediately asked Toddy. I was like, what is he doing? He just threw six straight balls that weren't even close. It wasn't like it was like borderline. They just weren't even close. Jose Trevino. Oh, I was listening to this on the radio when it happened. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Was up at the plate. And now, so the Yankees won the game and not all is good or whatever. But at the time, it ended up being that Trevino swung at ball three, swung at ball four, ended up flying out. The next batter, whoever it was, ended up making it out. And so it's 5-3 going into the seventh when that dude wasn't going to throw a strike. (laughs) And he was going to load the bases. And it yeah. just totally changes the game and, and everything. Like I I, I get yeah, it. They're professional, they're professional yeah, hitters, but, but like if it's Aaron Judge, 
I'm giving you the green light. But if it's Jose Trevino, I don't care what type of season you're having. You need to be taking all the way there. I mean, he did have the third or fourth highest OPS of everyone in the lineup tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, you. I think you take. I think you take in that in in that spot. Also, he knocked in the first round of the game tonight. <laughs> Biddy, nice coming through in the clutch when the Yankees need him. We I love Trevino. We love him here. When you when you talk about unwritten rules or like cardinal sins, maybe, maybe that fits under like a cardinal sin. Like, do not swing at a two zero pitch. Yeah. Don't make six the first straight third balls. Out at third, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that's. I don't know. I mean, luckily, luckily they won. It didn't matter. No. But at the time, I I was thinking I was like, now he's gonna. I told Toddy, I was like, he's gonna ground into a double play. Yeah. The the inning's gonna be over. But I, I'm pretty sure I remember listening to the at bat. Um, right, he swung at two sliders that were down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. Even Kay was thinking, like, man, or you know, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing there? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That that was a. I, I know I'm a big uh, Trevino homer, Trevino <laughs> homer, but uh, that, listening to that last night, I just same thing. Like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now, now behind him in the lineup last night was Gallo, right? Wasn't Gallo behind him? Mm, I don't know. I can't we'll, remember. I'll, I'll I'll find this out. I can't remember. Yeah, look um, it up. So but, Yankees, but still, I, I don't. No, I don't it was care. Marwin, and Marwin went, went two for four last night. But still, yeah. But again, Trevino did have the. Uh, and he had a big hit in the seventh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it all worked out. But like, you play that scenario over you know ten times. Like, I think eight out of those ten times, the Yankees are going to lose that game because they're not going to get two catchers interference in the seventh yeah. and, you know, two, three there walks two catchers or whatever it was. Yeah. It was a weird. Judge and G. It was very weird. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very, very weird. Um, <clears throat> the second five, one was five run inning. I think. Okay. It was very odd. Wow. Yeah. It was an odd game. Montgomery pitched really well, but he gave up five runs in the third, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then dominated all the other innings. And oh, then, and then the, uh, the A's had their five run. Um, inning in the seventh that ultimately tilted the game toward the Yankees. So, um, yeah, I yeah. just just had to, had to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I would also love to. Um, I get I get that announcers have a job to do, but if you listened to the game on Saturday on the Yes or on Sunday, excuse me, on the Yes Network. You would have thought that it had been a week since the Yankees got a hit, not just a game. And I get it. 16 innings is a long time. And I was frustrated. I'm sure the team was frustrated. They got no it hit was, the first seven seven innings of the next game. Yeah. Up, up and through the seventh. They, yeah. they didn't have a hit in the ninth inning of the game on Friday night. So the ninth inning through the seventh inning of. Sunday's oh, I see. Game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, it was just. They, there was so much, and, and this is why this is why announcers and beat writers and uh, Peralta just. Oh, I thought he gave up the home run. Never mind. Uh, this is why this is why they do what they do, and professional athletes do what they do, is because they were pushing the panic button the entire time, and then G comes up and hits the homer, totally changes the the complexion of the game. The Yankees end up walking it off or whatever. So I have I have a lot of. Uh, discussed with the way that the in in the yankee announcers on the yes network are generally pretty good even though i give them crap sometimes about like o'neill and everything like i've been listening to a lot of different games on using um 
the MLB channel this year, like Dennis Eckersley is horrendously terrible for the Red Sox. Like there are some really, really, really bad announcers across major league baseball and the Yankees have, you know, pretty good ones, but they were just like unnecessarily, I think dramatic on Sunday leading up to everything that happened. On top of that, they also were talking about how the Astros dominated the series. And I get that the Yankees never led for an entire pitch of that entire series, but their bullpen damn sure outpitched the bullpen of the Astros. Because if the Astros bullpen had shown up, they would have swept, but they didn't. And the Yankees took two games. I don't care how you win the game, you win the game. That's all that matters. A win is a win. The Yankees grinded it out. They got it done. Yeah, they got no hit. Whatever. Nobody cares about combined no hitters these days. It 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 didn't. I don't even think it like even Yankee haters were like too crazy about it. But I'm just like they took two out of two out of four. It could have been a lot worse. It was a fun series. I can't stand the Astros. Obviously, I feel like so Gallo hit a ball on Saturday that was almost a three run homer. It fell just short of the right field wall. And it reminded me of the 2019 ALCS when Didi hit a ball off a coal in uh, like game three or game four. One of, one of the games they lost at the stadium just fell inches short, inches short. And, and we talk about all the time, like how we dominate the twins and how hilarious that is and everything. And like, yeah, the Rays have been a pain in the ass, you know, recently and whatever, but man, the Astros, it just seems like that half inch that we need all the time. Like it goes the Astros way nine times out of 10, every, every single time. And uh, you know, they get what they want. So the fact that we took two out of four, all things considered, I'm pretty happy with it. Now I will say the first at bat of the first game, we did plunk Altuve. Was that yeah, a he should have gotten plunked. He should have gotten plunked after he hit the home run to lead off Sunday's game. I will stand by that. They have to police it. They have to, they have to, I'm not saying hurt him. I'm saying throw at his butt, tell him to get off the plate, stop swinging out of his, out of his shoes. Do they like, have to though? Yeah. And I don't uh, want to hear from, I don't want to hear from the crowd. who's like, just get him out. Like you throw one pitch and he hits it over the, the fence because he's just sitting on whatever you're throwing. Like you got to back him off. You got to do something. I don't think you have to throw at anyone ever though. Um, you know, that, I think it's a, the only way. It's the only a very way 1960s uh, approach to baseball there, Colin. Instead of Toddy, Toddy was saying that to me too. But nobody, nobody says anything when somebody has a big hit in football on defense. They're like, oh, that jolted the defense. That jolted oh, yeah, the team. But that's, that's bananas to our, you know, oranges to our apples, whatever. You know, it's like. I'm just saying that's the, no, that's the baseball. You know, of like, I, I will, I will, I will quote Jesse Winker from the large brawl that <laughs> happened. And, and shout out to John boy. I watched the, the, uh, the breakdown today. You're going to um, make me be out uh, to be like Phil Nevin now. <laughs> the, the giant, the giant brawl that happened on Sunday between the A's and the Mariners. Um at the conclusion of the first part of the brawl, Winker, the guy who got hit and started it, and the pitcher who hit him got face-to-face. And yeah, the pitcher yeah, who hit I him started that. saying, I had to hit you. I had to hit you. And Winker was like, why did you have to hit me? You didn't have to hit me. Like <laughs> Phil Nevin told him to. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I, I feel, I don't know. I, I Why did they remind, I didn't read up on this. I know it happened, but I didn't read up on there, it. Why did they hit been, Winker? There's um, been stuff the, boiling up. 
the Mariners went up and in on Trout. They didn't hit him, but they went up and in and then threw over his head on consecutive pitches after a mound visit the night before. Oh. And um, but, but there had been other games too. Nevin earlier. Nevin was Nevin was convinced that they were headhunting for Trout. Trout wasn't happy. The Mariners won the night and were celebrating on the field. So the next day there was some bad blood. Okay. That makes now, sense. now what I think of the context that was lost in the all is um, just nine days ago, the angels hit BJ Upton in the head. Right. Right. And, and the Mariners did not respond. Or is it Justin or BJ? Uh, BJ's not in the league anymore. Is Justin. It? Justin. Yeah. Justin. Justin. Yeah. Um, and the Mariners were adults about it and did not retaliate and throw back. So yeah. if anyone has, but I'm not, right I'm now, not talking about retaliation. I'm talking about, I'm talking about being the one to send the message and police. Like the, I'm pretty sure the Yankees did this to Edgar Martinez, like in 1998, because he was like doing the same thing to them. Oh, and well, sorry. One other thing, Ethan, um, last second change after they threw up and in on trout, Nevin made a managerial change the following day and started changed the starter and started an opener and made it very clear. Like, like wh- why do you think they're instead of, you know, putting a starting pitcher there, they put an opener in because he's there to throw at the, the mm. Mariners. Yeah. Ne- and Nevin got it. suspended 10 games. So 10 games. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. But I don't know. I throw, get him out or throw some chin music or throw a breaking ball in the dirt. Like don't just, don't just. Yeah. But see, see if you're throwing chin music, then you're, you're being more dangerous than if throw you're a just breaking ball in the dirt, just throw it at, at his butt. Yeah. You know, the Astros are good enough with analytics to know that, Oh, Hey, 70% of the time, the Yankees are going to groove a fastball on the first pitch. Like, I'm pretty why, sure it was a slider. If we were doing that and Judge was leading off, I would fucking say swing way. Like, if, if he's going to throw one down the middle, Judge, you swing hard every time. That's what I'm saying. Don't throw it down the middle. Well, then, who? Then yeah, don't throw it at them either. Throw a breaking ball in the dirt. Throw something <laughs> away. Don't just throw at them. That's bad. If the if if the roles were reversed, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible, and we'd be pissed. So no, as much as I hate Altuve, and I think he needs to have you know, burrs, you know, pointy, painful burrs from a burdock tree shoved down his pants for the rest of his life. I don't know. <laughs> like, don't throw at him. Get him out, or you know, throw a pitch that he can't hit. I mean, maybe, maybe it's wrong because like, even if you're trying to hit his butt or trying to, you could break his finger, like Bryce Harper. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the thing. And that, well, that's why like on the angel side, I kind of understand like Harper might miss the rest of the year, you know, and granted, we don't think that I, I don't think anybody thinks that that one, that one was intentional or anything. Right. Yeah. But like throwing uh, up and into trout and then over his head, like that's fucked up. Right, twice, and that, that was that was that on two pitches in a row. Two pitches in a row after a mound visit. Yeah, so that's uh, fucked and, up. And what, why Nevin was pissed off was the day before, in the almost exact same situation, they just intentionally walked Trout. Now, did the so, Mariners get like? Did the guy get ejected after that? No, like nothing. Like, but clearly, I mean, come on, these are major league pitchers, up and in, and then over his head. Come on, like that's that's. Well, that's what Trout was saying after the game. Trout was saying. Fine, if you're gonna throw at me, hit me in the ribs and be done with it. Yeah, don't throw at my head. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's real fucked up. The Angels hit Upton in the like, 
But that it was, just, I assume that that was by accident that like um, it slipped really bad. I hope. According I to according to the Mariners, the up and in pitch and the over the head pitch were by accident as well. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Yankees yeah, got to do something about Altuve. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, we get him on Altuve. Thursday, right? Yep. One, one of the Thursday? one of the makeup games is Thursday. Okay. And then... Some, somebody just I don't know what pitcher it is on our staff that'll do it, but somebody needs to just dominate him and get like an over four with three Ks kind of day. You know, Nestor. Yeah. Nestor's the one who gave up the homer. I know. I know. <laughs> one of the homers. Uh, Cole. Man. I mean, Cole. Cole should. Cole should make him look like an idiot. Cole's got the stuff. You know, he probably did. That. That's the point, though. Like he, when Nicole pitched on Saturday on the no hitter, no Sun or Friday, he pitched one of those games and he pitched really well. Mm. But if it was against Verlander, if it was the no hitter, it wasn't enough. Right. You know, and like, who cares if. If Altuve went over for four that game, that's not, it's not the same thing, in in my opinion. Yeah. You know, you can you can have an over for four, and the way Altuve's got like eleven career homers against the Yankees. The dude's probably got like one hundred and fifty in his career. Altuve homered on Saturday. Uh, Altuve homered on Sunday. First pitch. Uh, and let's see on um, Friday. Oh, it's just a Tucker home run. Yep. Three and home run. on Thursday it was Bregman and Alvarez because they hit they hit El Tuve. Yep. Mm. In other news, uh Frankie Montez has pitched pretty well tonight. If the Yanks are yeah, I think I think maybe the other thing that's been so I mean, they're still playing over 700 ball in general, but they've obviously been a little bit more up and down recently. Six and, six and four in their last 10. Yeah. And I think to like Andrew's point last week on the pod in terms of like inning limits and people just pitching past wherever, like, you know, uh, Nestor's never pitched <laughs> this many yeah. innings in his, in his career and everything. Like one of the, I know uh, Kenny Rosenthal was saying like, there's not really, anyone great on the market in terms of starting pitching because like Montes and Castillo haven't really pitched in the postseason. So it's like, what, do, you know, are you going to get another sunny no, gray, nice. yeah. um, you know, type yeah. thing, but he pitched, he gave up two runs tonight, six innings, six strong innings you know, and, and everything. I don't know. Maybe that'll start to get them thinking about bringing over another starter. Yeah. Um, Possibly. <clears throat> I mean, the starting is the starting is good though. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not saying I would say no to that. But like, aren't our needs stronger in terms of like the outfield and the bullpen? You know, it depends. Yeah. yeah. We got Domingo coming coming back soon. Yeah, I don't yeah. really like. I don't really like Domingo. As far as I'm concerned, Domingo and Chapman, we should have we should have cut them loose. But yeah, yeah, he's coming back tomorrow. Yeah, and we should have cut them both loose. And uh, we got Britain maybe coming back later this year. Yeah, but that's and a who knows uh, what Domingo's going to be. We don't know if he's going to be any good. Right. Uh, the, all those we guys, don't know either. Yeah, yeah, all all those guys, they're big question marks. Yeah, I mean everybody's a question mark at the end of the day, honestly. But 
yeah. more so, I think, with, with those guys. Um, some yep. interesting Angel news, uh, since, since we were talking about them. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Otani had himself quite a weekend. Um, in consecutive games, he had an eight RBI game as a hitter. And then as a pitcher, he had a 13K game. And uh, there's a really, really cool stat. Uh, never had eight RBI game. Babe Ruth. Henry Aaron, Barry Bonds, Albert Pujols. <laughs> Never had an eight RBI game. Never had an eight RBI game. Never had a 13K game. Lefty Grove, Catfish Hunter, Jack Morris, Tom Glavin. Otani did both in consecutive days. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> say say Albert's name again because it sounds funny when he said it. Pujols. Okay. Pujols. Yeah. You're missing that last L. Pujols. That's what I said. It's that Scranton accent. Yeah, that Scranton accent sounds like you're saying poo hose. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's not. It's not don't say sorry. I like it. Uh, that's amazing, though. That's really incredible. That's awesome. You want to hear something more amazing? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, he hit a 462-foot bomb last week, too. Yeah. And, like, go and watch that, people, if you have not. The sound off the bat is fucking crazy. It's like, like it's just crazy, and it's just a fucking moonshot. It's the dude's unbelievable. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Another really cool piece of trivia. This comes from Anthony Anthony Castro Vince, who's a, a great national beat writer for MLB.com. Uh, Twenty years ago, about four days ago, Cleveland traded Bartolo Colon to the Expos for what the ESPN scroll called, quote, Lee Stevens in prospects, end quote. The prospects were Brandon Phillips, Cliff Lee, and Grady Sizemore. Holy who shit. <laughs> who collectively combined for 10 All-Star games. The craziest part of this stat is that none of them played in Major League Baseball past Cologne's final season in 2018. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, my God. Wasn't wasn't Bartolo earlier this year saying he wanted to come back too? Like I'm sure. So funny. Yeah, that's sad because uh, I remember Sizemore had tons of injury uh, yeah. problems, and then Lee kind of flamed out pretty quickly. But he was really good when he was for a couple like, years there. He was 2009, amazing. 2010. I mean, yeah. We wanted to get him. Yeah, we really wanted him. Yeah, and we In 2010. We yeah. yeah, and he went to Texas, and then yeah, Texas beat us in the ALCS. Yep. 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 We lost to Texas in the ALCS. Yeah, 2010. Man, I must have. Four games to two. Eliminated that from my memory. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cliff Lee. Yeah, he was nasty. He was basically the, the difference, just like Verlander in 2017. Yep. It's basically like same thing all over again. And I'm sure we like prospect held on to people that we couldn't even name today. It's yeah. like, why, why do we do that? Well, what the, so the, the, I mean, Kay was talking about that tonight with uh, JP Sears, like, we traded for J.P. Sears five years ago from the Mariners for Nick mm-hmm. Rumbelow. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kay's, Kay's point was like, you got to really pay attention to these trades because five years ago, you may have, been, may have been like, who the hell is this J.P. Sears guy? But now, I mean, he's, he's, he's had two starts without allowing an earned run. Well, like, uh, and, and just he, pitched great today. Yeah. He, he pitched very well. He's, yeah, I mean, five and two thirds. Yeah. All right. Now it's against a team whose uh 
the highest batting average on the roster is like a 245, but <laughs> not um, named Chris Davis. Hey, he, what, what was his average year over year? 244? It's like 240 something. Yeah. Matt, when are we going to get you to stop looking at batting average? That's what I want to know. <laughs> okay. Okay. OPS That's a fun wise, stat, though. They didn't have an OPS above 680. Thank you. Tonight, that so. is much more informative. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, batting average still means something. No, it doesn't. It only means something because of our nostalgia. That's literally its only value is nostalgic. That's it. Yeah. Sorry to be sorry to be a Debbie Downer here, but that is literally batting averages only value is nostalgia. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, and by the way, um, <clears throat> talking about cool stats, one thing I wanted to mention that I just saw. Um, so, you know, it's pretty obvious, right? If we had to guess at the beginning of the season, right before the season started, for instance, if we had to guess, okay, you know, if the Yankees are going to have two guys who are going to be like hitting tons of homers and are going to be on pace with like, you know, Ruth Gehrig, Mantle Maris type numbers, right? It's going to be Judge and G, obviously, right? We do have two guys on the team who are on that pace. It's not Judge and G. Judge and Rizzo. Rizzo, yeah. Like, fucking crazy. Now, there's no way he keeps that up, right? But, like, who would have thought that? Like, like his career homer numbers, like, he's not a huge power guy. He's got, like, a little bit of pop, but he is not a huge power guy. Like, if you look he's at his He's definitely numbers, been taking advantage of the short porch. Yeah, yeah. But but they said this is his ninth season with 20-plus homers. Yeah. Right, yeah. so he's got pop, but he's not a huge power guy. Yeah. He's not, like, some 35-40 homer guy. Yeah. You know? The so, other thing they were – Kay was saying tonight, his, his, his batting average on balls and plays is, is – like the worst in the majors, it's like 200. So he could be performing even so better. He's been having some bad luck on that. Then. Yeah. Okay. Some real wow. bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. The dude in the outfield just made a, a good play a couple innings ago on him. He had a ball in the gap and just like found his glove. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. he would add a, a double or triple. Um, another another cool piece of trivia. Before I get to that cool piece of trivia, my I forgot to do it last week because we had Andrew, but my weekly plea for common sense gun safety laws look into them consider them let's make this country a safer place um i don't know uh hayes is his last name he plays for the orioles i don't know what his first name is austin yeah austin yes austin hayes hit for uh the cycle the other day now the cycle itself is not very cool anymore that's like batting average you know type thing um but what what's really cool about this is the day before he went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. <laughs> wow. In the day that he got the cycle, he did it in a rain short and seven inning game. <laughs> Your baseball is so crazy. <laughs> so he had a gallo and then he had a cycle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's exactly. actually having a really good year. Like I'm a gallo sombrero. That's what we should start calling it. Not golden sombrero. Yeah, gallo the gallo sombrero. sombrero. I like that, Matt. I agree. Which, speaking of that, Judge is uh, one strike out away from a Gallo Sombrero tonight. Damn. But yeah, Judge, he's, he's, been slump, he's been slumping. Uh, like, he's know, also he been getting, but He's had three strikes called him tonight that were four inches out of the zone. So He gets that every, every well, game. Yeah. At least we didn't have, uh, I assume, we haven't had Doug Eddings as our home plate umpire. Did you guys see this? He missed uh, like yes. 26 calls the other night, like a yeah. season high yeah. for umpires. Yeah, Jesus. It's like the White Sox Christ. and... Uh, Fucking terrible. White Sox, Blue Jays, I think maybe. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for, though. CB Buckner's on this crew that we've got right now. Now, oh, see, well, here's what I want to know. Like, so there are some of these guys who have this reputation, right? And I looked this up because I looked this up a few weeks ago. I meant to tell you guys. 
um, there's like a website that keeps track of this shit, right? Like umpire scorecard website or whatever, yep. something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And Angel Hernandez is one of the guys with the worst reputations. His numbers were not that bad, actually. I like looked him up specifically. So sometimes, you know, we're humans, right? Sometimes we 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 let our, uh, you know, we let just general reputations, they take fire and they just go, they go wide, wide, wide. And we just kind of accept it all, right? But um, it's not necessarily always the truth now. So I'm, I'm what, the reason I say that is I'm curious, like, because C.B. Buckner is another one of these. And so I wonder um, if, if, if the numbers actually back it up. Is, is he actually somebody who sucks? Um, I'm actually, I'm on the page. I'm going to see if I can, uh, I can't remember if you can just search for the, search for umps. I can't remember how it. You can get their the, overall rankings. Because the website, well, you can look up best umpires, your favorite teams, and the most recent games. Um, but I don't know if they have like a straight up search yet. Hmm. Hold on. I'm going to see if they, if they do. Um, oh wait, hold on. Can I find it? CB Buckner. Thrilling content. Thrilling content. Well, you guys talk about something while I'm doing this. So, um, well, actually I found him. I went to CB Buckner's page. So for this year, he's hovering around low nineties most of the time for his, um, for his accuracy, low nine. Now, for our, for our viewers, what's average, listeners? That's average, right? Yeah, I was gonna say so. That's not terrible, right? Um, ninety-two is average, I think. Ninety-two is average. Okay, so he's right around average, below average. He had one random game where he was like ninety-eight percent accurate. Um, super interesting. I mean, God, can you imagine? Like this shit didn't exist when we were kids. Like that's so awesome that we can like look this up now, and that computers can just tell us. You know, I mean, I'm we just have glad the there's the accountability of. Well, that too, for sure. You know, like not having a what was it, uh, Lavana Hernandez, in his no hitter. Oh my God, was it that was... Angel who who umped that game though? Speaking of him, no way. Who umped that game? Because you can watch highlights of that. And the that was 1997 like, or something. I think Angel Hernandez has been around a long time. Wow. Okay. Maybe not that long, but. I do remember, like, you can go and watch highlights of that game, and there are pitches that are, like, a fucking foot outside. And what's so funny about it, what I love about watching those highlights, is the umpire will call those strikes with such excitement. Like, he's just like, you know, and it's like a foot outside. It's like, oh, my God, dude, like, you fucking suck. Like, you should not be calling strikes this happily. And the batters were just, like, cool with it for the most part. Some of them got frustrated, but. What's interesting, actually, so I was going down this path the other day in my mind, for another pitcher who benefited tremendously from a, let's say, questionable outside and inside corners from umpires, that's Greg Maddox. And my thought was today with um, sport track and, you know, pitch FX and tracking pitches uh, and the amount of scrutiny that batters place on launch angle and uh, you know, bat path and making sure that they're, they're studying pitchers. Is is Maddox still someone that's going to win 350 games in his career? And is he going to be as successful as now? He was an I mean, he was an incredible pitcher. Um, and and I love the quote that I, I brought up a couple weeks ago that was, you know, I throw an 87 mile per hour sinker. I'll tell you that it's coming and you still won't hit it. Right. Or you'll still ground out or something like that. Yeah. Because he did get a tremendous amount of movement. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and his, like, his two-seamer was fucking insane. Yeah, well, the two-seamer sinker, however you want to call it. Like, okay. like the 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 left-to-right riding action on that thing, he'd throw yeah. it at your knees, and it would end up over the plate. 
So um, I still think he is a Hall of Famer, but does he put up the numbers that he had? I I don't know. I I really can't. I don't know if he enjoys that same success. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting question. I mean, I wonder, you know, I wonder if umps have been like relatively steady throughout history. You know, it's interesting in baseball, right? I feel like we tend to, as a general rule, we tend to glorify the past and stuff. And I mean, the plate has been the same for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. I mean... I don't think that like umpires in the fifties and sixties and, you know, nineties, thirties, whatever. I don't think that they had like worse eyes. Right. So it's, it's, it's more, I think what were, what was the general consensus strike zone? Maybe, I don't yes. know, but. And, and that has um, changes and there's been yeah different eras where the MLB has said, we are emphasizing this. So we, we know. Yeah. Start calling the high strike, damn it. Because yeah. you know, stuff like that. So you're right. It, unfortunately, we don't have that data like we yeah, do now. Yeah, that would be super interesting. Um, yeah, because I wonder also how much like your umpire scorecard affects someone like Angel Hernandez, who's going to go back and like, oh, uh, take a look at it. And probably a lot of them don't even look at it. But I wonder how many actually do look at it and go, oh shit, I fucked up. Yeah, and I mean, by they gotta the way, be, they got to be held to a certain extent because they're they're unionized. So well, yeah, and that's I mean, they're in legal proceedings. The MLB presented data. <laughs> to counter Angel Hernandez or Angel Hernandez's argument about him never umpiring a world series. Yeah. You know, the, the major league in, in very, very pleasant legally speak said, you are a bad umpire. <laughs> that is why we're not discriminating against you because you're Hispanic. We are Hispanic not baby. allowing you to umpire our biggest games because you are not a good umpire. Here is the data. Yeah. And by the way, he has, I just looked it up. He has been in the league since 1991. Who? Angel Hernandez. Oh my God. Yep. Fucking 31 years. How do you, I mean, union, that's how you stay in the league, I guess. But yeah. Well, I want to know. Yeah. So like on umpire scorecard, I want to see if you can look up like, like their whole career numbers. Right. Yeah. Um, Probably only goes back to a certain year. Yeah. I didn't didn't hear uh, Matt, your full question, but I think I would say yes. Greg Maddox would still win a whole bunch of games because he was a, control artists and he probably just took advantage of the bigger strike zone but he would still be able to yeah that was that was the outcome essentially he's still a hall of famer i just don't know if he's as yeah as... he's, throwing, he's thrown 88 pitch games to yeah <laughs> yeah at the rate that he did he, he might have to throw a little longer <laughs> let's see angel has been okay this year he's been about average but i want to I, I wonder what he's been doing he you sucks. <laughs> say what it is. I mean, as the only trained umpire on this podcast, I will say <laughs> it is fairly difficult. Um, I will also say um, I was not a good umpire. <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was a poor umpire. And I hated being behind the plate. I was much more comfortable in the field, and I made plenty of mistakes out there too. Um, modest uh, Matt. Uh huh. Modest Matt. That's right. <laughs> Hey, my first game behind the plate was a 17-year-old big leagues game. and 16-year-old, 16 or 17. But there was a Padre scout in the stands my first game there. Wow. Uh, and I freaked out because my partner didn't show up. So I was trying to cover the whole thing. Oh, that was not a good day. Um, 
it real quick it looks like the umpire data at least on ump on uh, umpire scorecards goes back to 2015 so like statcast era and i'm looking at like some of the older data it doesn't look like they have necessarily every game i'm not sure but a lot of angels stuff is in the mid and upper 80s so <laughs> yeah so substantially below average i think we could say <laughs> um to if we're and that's probably putting it mildly so um yeah just yeah super interesting stuff though who's the guy who like everybody loves but he fucked up the call on the on the armando Galarado jim joyce, jim joyce. Yeah. i was trying to remember his name i knew there yeah. was like jim or james or something i'm wondering i'm wondering if his numbers um back he up he was the very respected but yeah i don't know yeah wait did he retire he's not on the site yeah he did damn i want to know what his numbers like a year are. or two ago okay wow just like joe west country joe west I feel Cowboy like Joe West Joe did West. not have a good reputation. No, he like, did not. Yeah. Did not. Wow. Okay. Crazy. My my thoughts of Joe West are... <laughs> <laughs> did I just miss a visual that I, uh, that I should have yes, seen? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Damn it. You could watch the podcast on our YouTube channel. Mm, I'll think about it. <laughs> Yeah, this Doug Eddings guy. Well, he's I don't know, he's been a mixed bag this year. Interesting. Anyways. Why why is that your why was that the Joe West impression? Oh, just uh, I just he was full of himself. Oh, he was full of himself. Okay. Nice. Well, what else is on the docket? We've been going at it for a while here. Yep. I we think probably, we killed it. Yeah, we killed it. We probably ought to uh uh come to a uh, conclusion here pretty soon here. <laughs> You know, I will just say this. I want the same fervor and activity that surrounding Britney Spears and free Britney from her conservatorship to free Britney Griner from Russia. Please use your same signs, everyone. Use your T-shirts. Just like uh -huh. maybe write a G on there or something like but free Britney Griner. Like, let's get yeah. her out of here, out of there. Um, and one of the other things I will say is I remember the WNBA is so progressive and usually picks these things up right away, but it took like four or five weeks before I saw significant traction in the NBA to like start wearing the t-shirts and start making noise about it. So, uh, NBA folks, which the season's over now, but do better, do better for your, your, uh, your basketball compatriots and the WNBA. So, hmm. And the only reason she's over there to begin with and playing in Russia is because they don't pay her jack squat in the WNBA here. So let's let's do better there too. Mm. Yeah. Drop your mic now, Matt. I know. Just... Well said. Bring uh, Brittany. My cord's home. not long enough. Uh. <laughs> All right, boys. Good work. I think that's it. Okay, I'm out of.